now that that voice is gone again, it is There Will Be Bourbon, round two with Drew Mullins. What's going on, sir? Rabbit hole is going on. He's going down the rabbit hole tonight. All right. Glad yeah. you said that. So I clean shaven. have, yeah, and he's clean shaven. Unbelievable. So if you're not watching this on the YouTube version, you should be, and you should be subscribing and sharing and reviewing and doing all those things. But if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, Drew is no longer uh, looking like he's homeless. So yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah. All right. So he's got the rabbit hole tonight. I have finally secured Thanks to my buddy in Indiana, where apparently it's the only place they put this stuff out at. But uh, Benchmark foolproof, right? Now, Benchmark, really bottom shelf stuff, right? But what what people don't realize is, uh, well, I hope they don't after this. But So Buffalo Trace makes this, right? Of course. Um, I can get the regular Benchmark 8 for like nine bucks anywhere I go in California. But for whatever reason, the rest of the line of benchmark, which I didn't even know existed a few, uh, a few months ago. until I found it online. Uh, actually, no, I was in, uh, I was in new Orleans over block leave and holiday leave and, and Christmas. And, uh, I noticed there was a benchmark. Um, I think it was a bottle and bond or something. I was like, that didn't make any sense. And sure enough, it was. And then I went and started researching things. And sure enough, there's an entire benchmark line and foolproof, as you know, if you've watched this enough, anything barrel proof is, is my jam. Uh, I, I kind of try and do as much bottled and bond, which is 100 proof by law and above, because that's where I find uh, all the flavor to be. So this is 125 proof. It's not age stated. I can tell it uh, it's pretty young just based on the, the mouthfeel and all and how it, how it, how it does taste, but it is pretty damn good. And this like I said, the regular benchmark was like nine bucks everywhere. Uh, my buddy sent me to this. It had the price tag still on it. $19.98, kids. There you go. And I'll follow that up with my personal favorite, of course, also from Buffalo Trace. A little Stag Junior Batch 15. Um, retails for like 45 but <laughs> not anymore. So good luck finding it. But anyway, let's get down that rabbit hole. How is it? Let's do it. Uh, well, I haven't opened it yet, but I've drank a lot. So, is that the one that's uh, finished in the what's the sherry? Is it yeah, sherry? this is yeah. the. Uh, uh, I think I tried it about a year and a half ago. I think my yeah. dad had a PX sherry cast. They've got a really slick presentation of uh, the relationship between the vineyard and Spain, I guess. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe it's Portugal. Is that um, where they're getting all the cask from? Yeah, where they're getting it. And uh, what you know, they've got their own coopers there that build their casks, and so then they. <clears throat> I'd like to do that. I want to. I want to learn up. how to uh, build a, a barrel. I want to just do that. That should be like an experience when you go to one of these distilleries. Like, hey, come build your own barrel. Exactly. Matter yeah. of time. Um, but anyway, all right. So we're gonna try and pick up with some stuff that we forgot to get to, namely. Let's tell the young barrel or the young bourbon drinkers at home. What was it that you got to do or what was it that you did this past Memorial Day? <clears throat> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was a week ago. Week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I took the kids to school every day. Um, no, we went up to, uh, we kind of did the usual family. It was pretty quiet until uh, Sunday. I just said, uh, uh, actually Saturday. Friday night, we went to a local, uh, the Fredericksburg Nas Nationals. It's the uh, a low A ball club for the Washington Nationals. So we went to that. I look pretty dope. Fireworks, and they won. So like the first win in like 
20 games or something like that. Oh, nice. So they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> um, but the kids love it. Had a good time. Yeah, I mean, and, minor and, uh, league baseball, there's not much better than that. They don't have to be good. You're just there to hang out and get, five, oh, you know, $5 beers instead of 20 Yeah. What's awesome is, uh, you know, you're seeing the kids, you know, seeing the young guys. You know, yeah. It's, their first, it's yeah. like their second stop after yep. GCL or whatever. Um, and then Saturday was kind of low-key uh, stuff. And so Sunday, I just said, hey, uh, what do you think about going up to Arlington National Cemetery? And my wife, of course, was all into it. And we drove up. And um, on the way up, I was tweeting out, hey, anybody got any friends you want me to take a picture of? Yeah. Anything going on, uh, I'll be happy to do it. And, uh, of course, uh, there was this other guy who was more important than me who was there earlier in the day, gave a speech, and he backed up traffic for like two hours. Anyway, when we got there, it was, it was, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty hellish. But uh, they told everybody, hey, yeah, you have to be out by five. Oh, really? Yeah, except um, that's just when they closed. But, oh, okay. but we, we stayed longer. Everybody that was in there knew who was in there. You know, they were hanging out with their brothers. Yeah, yeah. It was really kind of a, a cool experience. And I ran around trying the best I could to satisfy folks' uh, requests for, for their friends, you know, tweet, their, tweet them out and uh, introduce my kids to the place and some friends of mine that are up there. And uh, we had a good time. Yeah, so I've never, I've never physically been inside it. I ran by it when I did the, the army 10 miler back in what was it, 2012. And yeah, it's a, it's a pretty moving experience even just running past it. I can only imagine what it's like to walk through there and just see all those names and all the different campaigns and just the, the, what, yes, it's the ultimate sacrifice, but it's the, what's been just the, the, I can't even put it in the words. It's just the, the, the chapters of American history as you walk through that. I think yeah, that'd be pretty damn cool. It is. I mean, especially if you're, um, if you're really into it, you can you can see every you know the evolution of Civil War, uh, <clears throat> all the conflicts since then. Uh, but as most people know who are familiar with it, Section sixty is the uh, section where OEF OIF uh, folks are are pretty much interned. And uh, of course, every time I go there, it's changed um, because as as folks pass on they you know they get a spot right and I, and just it was the same way this time i got there and i was like where am i i can't find extortion 17 you know which is usually my first place i go and then from there i get my bearings um so did you cover just, that last time what extortion 17 is um i don't know if we got there because it wasn't yeah. you know I wasn't okay yeah, let's, well even if we didn't so what yeah. what what is extortion 17 for those checking it out yeah so um after the obl raid in Asadabad, or I mean in uh, Osama bin Laden. For those, yeah, I, I try to clarify as many of these acronyms as I okay. Can. Yes, yeah, after, after they after they uh, got him, um, shortly there, or a few months later, I guess six months or so. I'm trying to remember exactly what is the year. Um, there was another uh, raid, and some uh, eventually uh, some Rangers, I guess, were kind of caught on a target, and they get called in for a QRF. And I think it was a quick gold, reaction one, force. Quick reaction force, that's right. Um, and it just happened to be a, a couple of troops or so from Gold Squadron were there. And they, uh, for some reason, they got on a bird, uh, uh, a National Guard bird. It wasn't one of the SOAR birds, um, the 160 birds, so uh, the 47. And some good pilots, a lot of experience and everything. But anyways, they went they went flying in to help out these guys and they, they got shot down. So with an RPG and there's a lot of controversy over it. Of course, it's a real sensitive subject because of 
just all the little, the things that were just not normal. I mean, it, it was the perfect kind of like, why did all these things happen? Why did they use this bird? Why did they use these pilots? Right. Why did, you know, um, it's, you know, et cetera. And um, at the last minute, you know, there's different stories about how the uh, uh, Afghan commandos that were on there swapped out with some different guys. And, mm. you know, so it was like, did the, the, the theories one of the theories flying around is you know where they tipped off where the guys tipped off you know so because you know typically unless you're at real high altitude an rpg is not going to take down at 47 i mean it, it, it you know it, it can hurt it but you know they're they're, they're pretty tough and you have to get that like the close your eyes swing is yeah luckiest shot in the world right to to, to do what it did but so you know anyway i go there and, and i went to the funeral for those guys you know at the time there was like 13 guys they put in the ground at the same time. So it was, it was a pretty moving experience. So I remember that and, you know, some were people I knew. So, um, and then from there, they've got, um, you know, the individual stones, but they have one, one stone that says extortion 17. Yeah. yeah. And they're all that, so that section. They're in that same, uh, that same line. Yeah. 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 And, and since then, you know, there's been other, other folks that have right. made the sacrifice for, our freedom to drink bourbon and yeah and i uh, will <clears throat> definitely be doing that oh i meant to say i forgot to point this out i've worn it on the show before probably i think the first episode i ever did coming up on a year um have you heard of this uh steamboat whiskey company in colorado i have not i was started by a navy seal nathan newhall i don't know if you ever heard that name He's or came across the coast guy no <laughs> Anyway, Nathan Newhall and his wife. Yes, after he retired, he started this. But uh, I have not been to this distillery, but uh, Maddie, she went last year and brought me back one of their bottles. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was like Navy something. It was an American whiskey. It wasn't a bourbon, but it was, it was actually pretty damn good. And they finished it in something. I think they finished it in the rum cask. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was a rum cask. But it was really good. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to go out to it. And then this weird – I don't know if you heard of it. Did you ever hear about – coronavirus and covid did you hear about any of that shit hurricane weird shit that was going on last year um, so anyway it ruined my plan to go out and visit it but it's there the covid i don't know if distillery. the covid's there but yeah the distillery's there I, that's I, a that's a wuhan virus right <laughs> allegedly allegedly yeah. from the the china. wuhan lab china, china. yeah uh yeah. all right so you knocked that out uh what oh. else what else did oh. you want to uh i want to Say something about the American whiskey. So I've yeah. tried a couple of them. A couple, and I'm trying to remember the name of the one that has the that pewter kind of shot si snifter. I see. I wonder if I have one there. Um, on top of the bottle, Nathan's or, or something. It's from Colorado. That's a hot dog. Yeah, that's a hot dog. Um, but <laughs> I've had mixed experiences. Like the one I like a lot is it's called. Uh, I think it's called uh, Wyoming. The Wyoming. Oh, I got that. Yeah. The Wyoming. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. That's that's yeah. pretty good. It is good. It's good. Uh, the other one, I, I, it's a little, a little young or harsh or something like that. The one from Colorado, the one I I've tried. So and it's an American whiskey. Oh, are you talking about Strahan? Strahan. Strahan. Yep. Strahan. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. See, that's uh, another one. They they have that <clears throat> the one that kind of their entry level. That's anywhere you can find that in every state. But apparently there are some other expressions that I just haven't been able to find. Like there's supposedly a wheat, and I think there's a, a barrel proof. I think mm -hmm. I've read as well. Cause those are the ones I always want to try. Like I, I, I know it sounds dumb, but I don't like anything that meets like the bare minimum of just 80 proof. Right. 
80 proof by law. Okay. Is what it needs to be. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, and it, I can do that stuff with mixed drinks, but I don't like drinking something like that. Just, I just don't see the point of, of going to the effort of labeling marketing, you know, all the show and then have kind of a, a product that to be quite frank, you know, you try it, you give it two chances maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, ah, I don't think so. You know, when I can have something, something else, you know, like the Wyoming stuff I love. I mean, anytime I can get that, I buy it, buy it all, you know, just, just because yeah, it's a it's good unique. one. Um, <clears throat> one that I've is it back here still. Hmm. Take these off. Can't see you, but yeah, I'm here somewhere. Um, yeah. Can't remember which one it is. I don't know. Ones anyway. that I ones that I can't really do. Um, I mean, I love weeded bourbon, but I don't buy Maker's Mark. I don't really care for it. I've got some of their single barrel expressions, like right. the ones that are the stave finished varieties, but. Yeah, like for some reason, I mean, the distillery was great. Went there a couple of times on the tour. The tour is fun, but it just uh, for whatever reason, I can it, it never tastes anything special. Do you um, uh, have you tried the forty six makers? 46? I have. Yep, I like that one. Of course, that goes yeah, back I to my every... kind of you know spicy. Yeah, I've got, I've got two yeah. of them back there that are. One's called sugar cookie. It was like a. Mm. One of their finishing programs that was at Total Wine up here, and another one that was sent to me by someone. Um, and I don't, I don't know. They're they're okay, but they, I, it doesn't justify the the eighty dollar price tag on them. You know, and that's my problem. Is that once you start getting me up to fifty to sixty bucks, I expect something memorable and stuff that I can, like, if I don't move on to something else, I can drink the whole thing in like a week. You know what I mean? Because that's how much I like it. But if something's going to cost that much, I, I have high expectations and Maker's Mark just doesn't seem to meet them. Now, for whatever reason, and I get it. So when you taste something, atmosphere matters, you know, weather matters, everywhere, wherever you're at, whatever the environment is for you, that stuff does matter, in my opinion. Like there's times where I've drank the same exact bottle, same exact product, and it tastes a million times better if, you know, I'm in a hot tub or I'm around a fire grilling or I'm at my brother's place with him. Like the environment matters in terms of flavor and how stuff tastes to me. Um, and I've noticed that with wine as well. But yeah, like when I was at the distillery, everything at Maker's Mark tasted great. And then when I get it back, I'm just like, eh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the distillery and I get excited because I'm there. But yeah, it's part of the experience. I think. Yeah, because uh, Jim Beam's the same way. I used to not like Jim Beam at all. Um, and I still don't really care for the entry <clears throat> level one, like the one that's just the white label. Like I have it. I use it to mix stuff with. And, and I love their little cherry stuff. I always post pictures of when I'm at the mm -hmm. pool. Cause the cherry stag, whatever it's called, cherry Jim Beam and Diet Pepsi. That's the drink for hot boy summer. If you're into it. Um, but all their knob Creek is actually really damn good. Old I, granddad, I think I said last yeah. time was, yeah, I like old granddad and yeah. I have the 12, the knob Creek 12. Yeah. It's good too. Um, I wanted to mention before when you were talking about fashion, I've got uh, one of Sapper's shirts. I don't know if you can see it or not. Coons of Liberty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. It's nice. Good deal. Shout out to Sapper Spy for on Twitter making his shirt. Making shirts, go. yeah, I got, a, got them all today. All the goon shirts. I did buy fun. the. Uh, I bought the tumbler with all that, the, like the big collage on it. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, like ninety percent of the people listening right have no idea what the hell that is. Yeah. It's a very small portion that knows what we are on Twitter. Um, but yeah, okay. so if you don't have Twitter. 
uh, you should follow Drew at Real Blue Falcon. So I, I meant to ask you that. How'd you come up with that? Because I, I mean, I, I know what the term Blue Falcon means, but I was just curious why, why you were like, you know, this is going to uh, be mine. <laughs> I had a, uh, it was funny, uh, you know how Blue Falcon is, is yeah. just an inside baseball military right. thing. It's a, and it's a meme within, yeah. you know, before memes. Um, and, and it, you know, it's like, so one of our, you know, your, your patches, you know, you, you throw on, Ship posting patches or whatever. Um, morale patch. That morale patch. Usually yeah, sets yeah. people off on nil Twitter. So right, right. Oh my god. Well, actually, um, yeah, I don't want to admit too much here, but um, <laughs> there was a reason why I, I uh, created that account. Um, and uh, I thought, you know what? Uh, I'd gone on a deployment to Afghanistan, and I was working yeah. with our, our counterparts over there, and I had that patch on. Uh, I think I had it on a sleeve one one op one night. Um, or I was on my helmet or something like that. And the Afghan commandos were like, all like, oh, they were talking. And I was asking the you know, Turk, what are they saying? What are they talking about? And he goes, oh, they love birds. They love hawks. They love, <laughs> they love, they love eagles. And they were talking about it. And uh, so I said, oh, cool, right? So um, uh, it was just one of those morale things. They liked it. Yeah. And um, so then I said, you know, you know how you can get anything made by their- Yeah, 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 exactly. So That's guys are like, patches I had were over there. So I said, I took them, I took them one and they made, it's funny you should say it because it's sitting here up on the counter. They made this one. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's kind of what you're. Yeah. So this is, is what all the commandos wore. So they all have one. Right. And um, we had FTB fear. FTB. That would be the nice thing. <laughs> you know? Oh, I get it. Okay. F yeah. TB. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the biatches or the Taliban. That's what I told him it was. So that's, that was the official. There you uh, go. That works. That passes muster. F the Taliban. Yeah. Right? And um, so that was it, you know, uh, um, and when I came back, you know, it was just like one of those things. And <clears throat> I was looking at my kit one day and um, I had to create a new account kind of, I was trying to separate my school personality from, you know, goon Twitter. Yeah. Just because it's I was following. Yeah, I was following some, you know, some academics and some, you know, respectable people. And I didn't want to, you know, murder their timeline with. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're trying to say I'm not respectable, Drew? Is that uh, yeah. what? I got it. Dude, I never I see can. you in my timeline, bro. <laughs> anyway, so I created this and I thought, what would be, what would be something that would just trigger the hell out of people, right? They would just, they would just, you know, not know if this is a joke or not. Because, yeah. you know, and I thought, I'm going to do a meme thing you know the real blue the real blue falcon but it's like really kind of it's the opposite of that it's like if you know what a blue falcon is yeah it's the opposite right you no know, i i mean really it's like a yeah i don't think you don't, you'll come i don't think you're the blue falcon type no 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 i mean it's just it, but you know it's like uh it's funny you know yeah and, and so I, speaking of funny so you bring up yeah. blue falcon so once upon a time when i was in uh when i was in drill sergeant school we had a we had six squads right for each or for the whole, whatever, the class, right? And so the way it was structured is just the way they, they were doing these temporary barracks for us. So we had first and second squad, and it was all alphabetical. So it was first and second squad. We all lived together in one little trailer type temporary barracks thing. And then squads three through seven all lived in the bigger one away from us. And they hated us because we kind of, and this is what's weird about it is it was, it was, um, it was all alphabetical. And for whatever reason, our squads, first and second, we all just came together and, and just clicked. And four of the guys just happened to be Rangers at some point together, or two of them were together, but four were Rangers. So, you know, you get the instant Ranger bond, but then they all happen to have 
names that fell between A and F. So we're all together and we all kind of have cool little, uh, little bonds going. And it was just, it, it really just kind of, as maybe you've experienced with some schools, it just kind of devolved into like an us versus them mentality. So anytime we would have formation, this one guy, Allen, Rory Allen, if he's out there, uh, great dude. He was a, a NYPD or no NYFD guy, fire department guy from New York City on 9-11. He actually had pictures from 9-11, you know, when they did their thing. Uh, really cool picture that we had for our, our graduation day. And I actually ran into him randomly in Afghanistan in 2013. So I've ran into so many people randomly from my life in foreign wars for some reason but anyway so we used to we ah fuck it we'll say it uh so at one time it was like weeks four through five because drill sergeant school was eight weeks eight or nine weeks uh we all decided three, to go to three, week, three weeks of training crammed into eight yeah <laughs> typical army well, school. It was, well it was uh, so i kind of liked the way they did it so they the way they structured it was like you did basic training basically again like week one was and two, those were your red phase, right? And you did everything in conjunction with how privates and basic training would. So whatever major training event they do during red phase, you were doing the same thing, which was confidence tie, right? You go and learn how to repel and do all that crap. So it was all, it was basic training all over again, except this time, you know, it's kind of, it's a school, it's a joke. So, you know, you have drill sergeant leaders acting like it's basic training again. And we're all just like, okay. Yep, Roger. Oh, push-ups. No, this is how no. you keep a straight face. Yeah. Oh no, I'm getting stronger from doing push-ups. This sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but it was fun. I love it. I had a blast. I had a blast. Uh, Joe Sarn School was literally the best. Some of the best eight weeks of my life. I still need to write the series about it. I talked to Eddie, our buddy Eddie. Mm-hmm. I just haven't figured out how to write it yet. Um, it's in my head. It's been in my head for the last I don't know ten years. But anyway, uh, so one of the things we did, we all grew mustaches uh, during this period. And we would all have when any anytime we had a formation, we'd go out and of course uh, the senior drill sergeant would start walking out of his little little shack and get ready to call us all to attention. We would call ourselves to attention first, and then we would uh, we would do a little right step and left step depending which one we were. We would come together and we would sound off with mustache rides four for a dollar. Never ran over well. <laughs> Never went over well. Uh, but we were at so far into it. We were, we were halfway through. So it was pretty much, you know, any military school, as long as you don't do anything uh, right. legal, morally, or unethical, which that was not. Uh, you're probably going to make it. And then, uh, so the other thing, going back to the Blue Falcon thing. So Alan, that was the guy. He had this little blue uh, bird finger puppet. <laughs> and so anytime we would be in formation, if... if was it named ever, your mom? Yeah. <laughs> Anytime we would be in formation and something fucking dumb happened or somebody was doing something stupid, he would just, he would throw the blue falcon out in front of the formation and it would just, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had an, an actual little. Yeah, it was like a finger like puppet. Blue oh, okay. Yeah, he gotcha. would just pull it out of his pocket because he's a big like dude. Belichick like Belichick and the challenge flag or something. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, he was a big flag. boy, so he'd always be in the yeah. back because he could, you know, he was like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's a big dude. So he would just chuck that thing out and we'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just out of school was a blast. Uh, man, that was a good time. Great time. Got into a lot of trouble there. In a good way, good trouble. Not like, you know. Yeah. Not, yeah, we, but we definitely, our classes, because, and we got in so much trouble between the two of our squads that that's why literally every other squad just hated us. They hated every time we showed up because they knew we were going to cause some trouble. And, you, and uh, what, what kind of um, payment, what kind of uh, penalty did you, did you pay for that? When you got in trouble, it's like, 
Oh yeah, I mean, just whenever you got in trouble, what? what well, it was always oh, so. What my favorite one, I can't remember if it was that or if it was something. It was very early on, and uh, it was another thing. This was weird. So, uh, one of our drill sergeant leaders actually ran into his picture in, in Kuwait on my last deployment at one point in 2015. I never, I couldn't, I could never catch him in actually in his office, but he was the EO. So if uh, you're out there and you randomly listen to this and you were the EO uh, for Arsent in Camp Arif John in 2015, what's up? I don't want to say his name because he might get in trouble. But anyway, but no, it was like week two or three, maybe we did something stupid. And uh, the senior drill sergeant leader came out and the commandant, which was like this former Marine dude. And he was funny as shit. He was like a Marine diver before he joined the army. Um, old crusty dude. Hilarious. But he came out and I don't know what it was that we did, but the punishment was take every sandbag from around the fortified position in front of the little HQ, move it across our drill pad, which was probably, I don't know, 150, 200 feet wide to our fortified position, dump them out, fill them back up and then carry them back. So it was carry a sandbag, dump it, dump all of them, fill them all back up, and then put them all back over there. And so that took us like two, three hours. But it was funny as hell because, A, it's sure. like anything. It's shared suffering, right? So yeah. you just make the best of it. But our drill sergeant leader, like, I remember he came out, and I thought he was going to yell at us and do something stupid, but he just took his top off and just started doing it with us. So we we're like, all right. So that was pretty cool. So an instant little bond there. And so it ended up turning into our squad became the House of Pain is what they called. So anytime – yeah, anytime we uh, showed up, one of our other drill sergeant leaders would just throw on a little house of pain, a little jump around, something stupid. But yeah, it's a good time. You loved, you loved it. I did. I, I loved every minute of it. I enjoy getting into trouble in military settings because usually it's physical punishment. So that's fine. I get to get right. stronger. Yeah, now, uh, the, the BUDS pipeline is different now. They, they got the guys doing their own, you know, but back in for, for the longest time, we graduate buds and then you head straight to benning for airborne for airborne yeah yeah and then uh then head to your command right uh, usually that's how it worked unless you had some school and route but that was rare <clears throat> and so when i went to benning it was like 89 and um i had a um i was pcsing of course that means i don't have the same same thing in the permanent argument. change of station for those yep. of you. he's moving I, I had a 70 <laughs> Four something Volkswagen nice. van with windows. Um, Creeper van. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice one. It was a, it was a Scooby Doo West Coast right West Coast van. Yep. Oh, that's right. You're from California, it. so it made yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm from the deep south, deep southern <laughs> south Southern California, um, and um, drove across country and got to Benning and checked in and Delta Company. I remember it. Um, so that was like you know. You got guys who just got out of buds, right? Who by the end of buds, you're, you know, the instructors are trying to wear you out and you're wearing them yeah. out, right? You know, like that. We're gonna do a thousand flutter kicks. Ready? Begin. And we would do a thousand <laughs> flutter kicks, right? Like without, you know, we, he'd, he'd stop six inches off the ground. And we, you know, we keep going. Um, we get to abandoning, and of course, you know how that is. That's a pinnacle school for a lot of army guys, especially yeah. if you're, you know, if it's a a good deal kind of thing for you if you've been in a while and you know you're a first sergeant or whatever it is so you went in 89 you said yeah yeah i went in, uh, i went in 2010 okay that's a little bit of a time difference i think <laughs> um but it was uh it, i remember the, the the company or not company what would it be the who's in charge of uh black hats all, the, all yeah, the black hat oh, who's yeah. who'd be his boss you know the of all the companies battalion commander yeah battalion commander yeah, yeah, he pulls, okay. pulls all the seals and he goes okay guys yeah 
here's the deal. I, I know that you're fit and this is not gonna be hard for you, but just play along. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just don't cause any trouble, you know, just, just, you know, whatever. And, you know, so, you know, you got the big 500 or 400 or 300 or whatever is all these people and you're doing them the PT and then you do your, your little jog. Um, and it's meant to kind of filter out the guys that can't right. keep up. So as guys fall out of formation, we're like grabbing them and putting them back in in formation. We're like, come on, man, you can do it. You, you can do it. Keep going, keep going. And the black hats are coming back to us going, leave that guy alone, you know, because they're trying to filter those guys out. They don't, they don't yeah. want, they want to get it down to See, you know. I remember. So I was curious <clears throat> that you say that because I was just wondering if it, if they ever told you this part. So what was explained to me, because I was in E6 when I went through and I was already okay. at Fort Benning, right? So I just went on a walk-on slot because I had a, a cycle break and went and did it. Um, but no, I remember they, uh, I asked because it's like you do that little fucking slow-ass shuffle to the harness shit every morning, right? When you go to do for jump week. And I was like, why do we do this shit so slow? And I remember one of the black hats finally after we graduated was like, man, we do that just to make sure no one's hurt. Because if you're yeah. hurt, you can't do that. You won't be able to you'll, you're like some like you'll physically fall out because you're hurt. They're not doing it to just to do a lot of like punishment. Right. It's more like, hey, we're going to run down there. and We're going to see who can actually jump that day. Because if you can't do it in four minutes, if like, you can't make that little slow ass, you know, 10 minute run. It seems Shuffle. like. Yeah. yeah, then you, you, you're not jumping that day. So, right. but no, I was I mean, a lot yeah. of things changed over 20 years, you know. They did, you know. I mean, you know back then when you did it. Well, we get the sawdust pits or whatever they're called, you know, the, the pavilions, you know, where they, you're underneath yeah. there. And so it's the, all shredded rubber tires now for us. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they punish us, you know. Yeah. We're gonna push we had a guy oh, used no. to get on the he'd get on the bullhorn and be like, roll when you were doing roll left, roll right over. He's like, roll over the week, roll over the week. I, I loved it. I stole a lot of stuff from Joe Sarn school or from airborne school. When I went back, he used to always, he would get on his bullhorn and every time, instead of calling cadence during pushups, it would be, I love the pushup. Yes, I do. I can do the pushup better than you. And so I took right. that back. You know, I think like, like airborne school was great, man. It was fun. I thought it was I, great. I was going to say, um, um that, was, that was a blast. I, uh, my boss, my van, whatever. Uh, call it bus because that's what it was, VW bus. Um, even though it was small, had a little bed in the back, you know, of course. And all my of course all, it did. everything I owned was inside there. And um, I'd go out, you know, we'd all go out at night and stuff, and we'd go to some of those bars they'd tell you not to go to, and there'd be a bunch of black hats in there. And yeah, and I'd walk up to the bartender because I used to bartend. And I said, send that table three pitchers of beer. Okay. <laughs> and uh and we'd go yeah, no, and then we'd go sit on the other side, right? But you know, take and then leave each other alone. It was it was fine, um, but it's you know it's a typical like you said you know it's the, you got to do that filtering process before you actually yeah do the week. Well, it was also it was the first time I noticed because um, like I said I went as an I was an E six when I went so it wasn't like right. I was a private but it was also the first time I was in a joint setting, and not just that but it's the first time you had officers as well, right? Yeah, and. Uh, and the, the class size was so big. I remember we had like 340 people in our company. So I was just curious if it was always that way. Was it that big? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember a lot of it. I mean, I mean, cause I, I would go out and party and then I'd come back and crash in my van. Cause I know, you know, I'd want to like at three or four in the morning <laughs> run down there and get in my rack. So I'd wait till I hear everybody coming out for, for muster or whatever you call it. And uh, I would go in and grab my, put my clothes on and come out. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty big. In fact, it was it was a weird thing because I don't know if you remember this, but there was this. Uh, okay, I know I was going to say about that. Um, I got three or four stories that relate to jump school, but okay. um, <clears throat> one of them was because I was a let's see, I would have been an an E four petty officer third class, right? 
So that's got the Eagle with a one Chevron. Okay. I don't think I got promoted until I got to the team's E5. Yeah. So, you know, you have, you have the, you have the regular uh, companies and then you, go, you run up the hill a little bit and there's the officer uh, kind of that circular compound where all the officers stayed and then yeah, you have yeah. the officer mess. I forgot mm -hmm. what it's called. And so I went, I went up there and because our covers were different and we had this little eagle on there, they thought it was an officer, right? So I ate every morning <laughs> in the officers for breakfast. I would go have you know, an order, right? Instead yeah. of whatever they were serving down to the place um, and come back. And as I was coming back one day, one morning after eating there, there was all this police tape all around the parking lot, right? <clears throat> this, this is one of those NS... FW stories. Not safe for work, kids. Yes, right. So if you're on a work put your head, computer, put your buds in. <laughs> your kids are around, whatever. Um, put them outside yeah. where they belong. Right. Um, I look at it and there's this motorcycle and there's this body laying next to this motorcycle and, and it's covered up. And, you know, the police are there. And this happened like I, I just jogged up there and ate. And yeah. This wasn't there. And I come so, back and, you know, it's it recent. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, okay. Just happened, right? And evidently it was like some black hat was messing around with some other guy, some private's wife. And, and he just showed up. He was waiting for me. The guy drove to work on Story a motorcycle. Story as old as time in the military. Yeah. Know. He showed up on his motorcycle and this guy just put a 22 in his, in his face while in his, you know, motorcycle helmet and took care of him. Um, yeah. So I was like, Whoa, okay. Don't, don't do that. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, Always a good advice. Do not. Right. Yeah. So um, we had a good time. I mean, uh, there was this one sergeant. I'm not making this up. He was like a, what would be an E7? For the army? Yeah. Sergeant first class. Okay. Sergeant first class splat. <laughs> S-P-L. Probably not where you want to be in airborne school. <laughs> okay. And this was like, he was like an admin guy, right? And he got, yeah. he was like, hey, we're going to get you airborne wings. So he, he goes, and I remember we did our, you know, you do your jumps is it the fifth jump you put your cover on? Is that what it is? You put your airborne thing on? Like right? people pull out of their cargo pocket or whatever it was or? or... Well, we did, I don't know. Cause we didn't do that. Okay. So, so anyways, we're, we, I think it was like the second jump and it was, had been raining and, and he landed in the deep mud. I and did broke, that. broke both of his ankles. Oh, I thought that just made it nice and soft. I don't know how he yeah. broke his ankles. <laughs> no, <he laughs> I did. enjoyed it. I, so, nice Sergeant little... Splat broke oh. his ankles. Oh, you know, that's and didn't, awful. Yeah, it's awful because it's like yeah. you don't graduate, right? <laughs> yeah, that's also awful. Yeah, um, but I remember that when we did our fifth jump, we we pulled uh, all of us enlisted guys have those white, you know, dog bull navy covers. Right? Yeah. So we pulled those out of our cargo pocket and put them on, and pulled one side down like it was a beret, you know, as we're rolling <laughs> up, rolling up like. our shoots, running back to nice, you know, to check in and everything. But um, so we're leaving, uh, getting ready to leave Benning. <clears throat> And everybody's going, uh, it was like spring break time. And everybody went down to, um, was it? You go through Pensacola. Dothan to Picola, I guess? Pensacola Beach? Oh, Pensacola Beach. Yeah, 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 in Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. whatever that road is, it goes south through Dothan, Alabama. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I'm not really. So no, I, I, mean, I, I know Pensacola, but yeah, I don't, I never really ran through in Alabama. So we, th we, th we take out for the weekend and everybody say, hey, we're going to meet down at wherever, this beach. And uh, I'm driving and um, I start to smell smoke. Or something burning, right? And I look, you know, Volkswagen vans have the engine in the back. Uh, cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So I look back and I'm like, holy crap, I've got smoke coming out of my, my van, right? So I pull over, 
I open up the back engine compartment and it's on fire. The, the week before I had just had it tuned up by a mechanic in there and he had tightened all the, he had done the injectors and spark plugs and everything, <clears throat> but he failed to tighten up a couple of the fuel lines. Mm, so could be a problem. Yeah. So fuel was spraying all over the place and one of the injectors came out or whatever anyways, cause a fire. So it's on fire and I'm like, crap, you know? So I start throwing all my stuff out of the van on the side of the road, grab some water jugs. I'm putting it out and everything. And guys are driving by that I see and they're waving and honking. I'm like, Hey, Dicks. come over, help me. <laughs> you know, and all my, you know, all my stuff's on the side of the road and the engine just totally burned up and um, never made it to, to Pensacola, but what you didn't, yeah. you didn't call Uber. No, no. <laughs> I uh, had to call my brother to, you know, call a tow truck Damn, to get it to do so much harder and, back yeah, then. Yeah, Shit, hard. No phones. Yeah. So I had no to go Uber. to, I had to go to like this, you know, the, a Volkswagen engine. I don't want to get too boring for people, but they're four cylinder flat air cooled engines. As they've been made, they used to be made the same way for 30, 40 years hmm. since Hitler invented it or whatever. Um, and, um, <laughs> So I had to get a replacement for it. And so I went to a junkyard and I bought two 912 Porsche engines, which were the same engine, you know, as a, as a Volkswagen. The 912 was the poor man's 911. It had a four oh, cylinder. Yeah. Instead okay. of a, instead of a six cylinder. Um, and the guy went back to the guy who did the work. And I said, look, motherfucker, excuse my language. <laughs> nope. We will not. You, know, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you, it's your fault that I, my engine burned up. And so he let me use his shop and I had to tear these two motors down and then build one myself and put it back in my my van you knew how to do and, that yeah i used to be a freaking motor yeah people don't um, know how to do that shit today i don't well it was simple back then i mean is it like either carbureted yeah, or my dad was, always you know, said yeah i mean my dad no no computers shit, you build can see engines, everything yeah but you know doesn't know how to use a fucking cell phone yeah you can't i can't log into zoom but um i know <laughs> how to tear apart an engine and then and then every fifth i drove to virginia beach and um like literally every 50 miles I had to stop or hundred miles and put a quarter, quarter and a half of oil in the thing. Using <laughs> so much oil, Jesus. but I made it. Um, and then the end of that later on, a couple of years later, I was doing, uh, we were up at AP Hill, Fort AP Hill doing <clears throat> demo training. And I um, uh, came back one weekend, me and my roommate, which is a guy named Rick Asherman. That name sounds familiar, R Asherman. So Rick was, um, he later on he had done uh, he, the uh, what was the operation to get, to get Noriega? You should know this. This is like famous in your world. Panama. Yeah, the Panama thing. Yeah, I know this. So he did that. He, I'm gonna find it for those. Keep going. I got this. Um, Urgent Fury, maybe. I don't know. It sounds um, familiar. Yeah. So he did his squad or his platoon from Team Four was one of the two platoons that did the Patia airfield um, seizure, where they the general or whoever was in charge moved the HR timeline up 15 minutes and just screwed everything uh, up. Urgent Grenada? Is that the one? Grenada. No, not Grenada. I'm oh, sorry. well, that was Urgent Fury. Okay. For Grenada. Yeah. We'll get corrected right. here. So we're going to get this. I plead. I plead ignorance. Operation. So Rick's platoon, um, he, he got he got wounded. He was a 60 gunner. Um, his, oh, is this the guy platoon, that got shot in the ass? Yeah. Yeah, he got yeah, yeah. You said that. Good deal. Yeah, so I said that. So anyways, <laughs> we're we're driving around one Saturday and, and – um, I'm thinking about take. I had to go back Monday to AP Hill because we're going to do a demo the next week. And I was Operation about, Just Cause. Just Cause. Jesus, I should know that, right? Uh, I apologize to all you guys. I always like that name. Sounded like a prod. It's, just, it's got two know. meanings, right? It's got like, yo, this is a just cause, but then it's also like, we're doing this 
just cause. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, if, if anybody knows that story, right, of Operation Just Cause, some guys I played rugby with, if you, if you read that story, there was some Navy, op, uh, Navy pilots who were down there who got stopped by the Panamanians like the week before or whatever and harassed and beat up and uh, like basically kind of <clears throat> held against their will for a while. And then another one got killed or something like that. I, I, not, not in the same time, but, but it was like the tipping point for George H.W. Bush to say, that's it. Right? Yeah. Well, though I played rugby with those guys. Oh shit. So a couple of them were like, this is the guy who started the freaking war in Panama, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I won't mention their names, but it's quite it, an honor. Wikipedia. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so Rick comes back I and mean, we're, we're hammered. We're driving around Virginia beach and we come to one of these intersections that they're doing a bunch of work and they had the um, construction pylon things, you know, with the flashing yeah. yellow light, the little Bob's barricades. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, um, there was like a yellow or a green light left turn arrow, but there was a bunch of those things in the way in the middle of the street and I'm gunning it to try to make the light and, and the light turns yellow. Then it turns, it gets ready to turn red. And Rick goes, you don't have a hair on your ass, man. And it's like, Oh yeah, what's this? And I went, I went blazing through that intersection and we crushed all the, we ran into all those um, barricades and it fucked up my van pretty bad. Right. Yeah. Um, I did. So, oh, the Tesla. It wasn't mine. You did about the Tesla? Oh, okay. Yeah, but it wasn't mine. But I wanted to see, like, could you, was it like the movies where you just drive them through this stuff? Well, it's just not like it. the movies, okay? No, actually. It does yeah. damage to your car, right? It's, <clears> it's, it's like water, hitting, usually. It's like hitting, hitting a deer or something. Yeah, right? yeah. smart. Well, these were, the, these were the, uh, the ones that just, like, folded out. Ah. Uh, you know, um, okay. Oh, yeah. I would have held And then they had days. some cones and stuff. And so then we took it up to APL and I blew it up. We blew it up with, I think, I think we, I forgot what we put in there, but it was like, there was literally nothing left of it after we destroyed it. Um, yeah. um, but that was fun. You know, it, it served its purpose. Um, I'd, I'd already bought a Jeep and so it was good. But um, yeah, so that was, you know, I could, I don't want to tell a bunch of those dumb stories, but. That's a good one. Of them. Yeah. That's a good one. So I just remember the last thing from Airborne before we move on from that. I just, oh, okay. it was a joint thing, right? I remember we had like, my squad was pretty cool. Was, I had this E5 MP dude next to me who was our team leader. <laughs> Um, and I was like, great. Cause this dude was super smart and paid attention to everything. And I was just there having fun. So he would literally fix my, you know, you know, when you go to put your, your little, the shoot thingy on, like you had to have that little seat looking thingy or whatever. I don't remember what the mm -hmm. hell it's called. Anyway, he would always, the slider? it's the slider? like you, you do something before you put on, it goes over the shoot. I thought, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's in a bag. I don't, I'm trying to fucking remember what the hell it was. Anyway, he would fix it for me every time because I was just like, I wasn't paying attention when the black hat gave the class, whatever. I wasn't listening to the module, but he would always fix it for me and he would go and do JPI for everybody or whatever the hell it's called. We don't um, jump in T10s or something? That's we had, uh, we had T10s, yes. Okay. I never got to do the T11. So, supposedly, yeah. So, my first sergeant went three classes after me and he they got to do one jump with the t11 but we were all doing t10 deltas i think it was yeah uh i have yeah, nine i have nine static line jumps five from from uh benning uh-huh <laughs> four, four water jumps and then it, it's at, at virginia beach and then we went to antigua 
our, our, our advanced training cell said, look, hey, all, they're going to make us all go to uh, the joint uh, free fall school from now on. So this is the last chance we could do our own course. Mm. So they took our SEAL tactical training class, which is, you know, SQC now. Um, and, and we, we got a 141. We went down to Antigua for a month and just jumped our ass off down there and all got qualified. But um, yeah, after that, it was all, all I was free fall after that. Yeah, I've definitely never done that shit, but real quick. Yeah. So, yes, sir. Sorry so the interrupt. point, no, no, it's fine. This is good because I want to come back to that. So the, so it was a joint class, right? So I had that dude, his MP dude, the guy next to me was another E5, but he was like this Marine recon dude and he was just super chill and never said anything. And then we had two guys in the Coast Guard, both E5s, and they were both just absolute dicks. Like, it's like they felt like the, the need to kind of prove that the Coast Guard was – because I don't even know what they did. I don't know why the Coast Guard had two guys in airborne school, but for whatever – good for them. Yeah. But, yeah, like they were absolute dicks the entire fucking time, just always trying to be in charge of everything. And, and it, you know, it's a joint school. Most of the people outranked them anyway. Uh, but, no, you know what? I do, I do want to go back to this because always, it always comes up and it always still to this day pisses me off. But I remember in my class, in my little – not – yeah – I think it was in my freaking company or not company, but whatever. Anyway, anyway, it was a full bird colonel from the reserves. He was there. And I always used to look back at that guy and think to myself, you know what? Cause I, like I said, I didn't go to airborne school until I was E6. I remember as an E1, I came as an E1. All I wanted to do was go to airborne school. Once I figured out what it was, cause I didn't, I came in just cause of nine 11. I didn't know shit about the army. I was just like, yeah, I'll just go. Let's do it. Didn't know anything. And once I found out gradually what these schools were, I was like, man, I would love to have done that. But I, you know, and then I, I was always told, oh, there's no money. There's no money. There's no money for training. And then when I was finally there, because I got to do that walk-on slot, I was so happy. And then I was just like, there's, a, there's an 06. Definitely not living on base, right? Like definitely right. living in a fucking hotel for three weeks. And I'm like, how much money did it take to send that fucker? And how many <laughs> privates could have came in his place and stayed in the barracks, right? You know what I mean? Like... Every day, and it was no fault of his. He seemed like a pretty nice guy, but I just resented the fact that there was an 06 in that formation. I was just like, this is fucked up. Joe should be here, and Jane, not fucking Colonel whatever this fucking guy's name is, who's, what the fuck purpose does an 06 have in airborne school? None. Not in the reserves either. Like, he's a reserve. It wasn't like he was some, whatever. All right. Still bitter about it 11 years later. I could, tell me how you, how do you really think? How do you really feel about it? I, I mean, feel like that is fucked up. And whoever signed off on it should have said, fuck no, sir. You had your chance. You had your entire career to go to airborne school. You're not doing it now. That, that's me. All right. My rant for the night is complete. I didn't, get, I didn't do any of those last week. So you good. didn't. You got the first yeah. rant from <laughs> my airborne rant. All right. So anyway, you're in Halo or whatever the hell they guys call oh, it. Yeah, yeah. School. So, so we go down there uh, to Antigua. You know, which is like the is this the West island? Indies. The island, the west, the West Indies. Jesus, right? What the? F- like it's all resorts. Like there's a like a little. Do you guys naval, even work in the Navy SEALs? Naval support like you guys literally operations. are the fucking stereotype of every movie. It's just well, it, it was just like back then you could just you know, hey, yeah, fuck yeah, that's you know, hey, boss, what, you know, what do you think? You know, so what year was this? Was this early nineties? This would have been ninety, I think. Ninety. Let's okay. see, it would have been after. Uh, so it was before Desert Storm, sort of, kind of after all that Just Cause stuff. Let's see. Uh, it had to be because I was in a platoon during Desert, Desert Storm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it might have been 89. Told some it might have been harrowing tales. It might have been all, yeah, uh, <laughs> of MREs and landmines. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
the most boring time of my life. Um, but yeah, so it was all in conjunction. It was all kind of in, in sequence. You know, you get to the team and, and they put you in STT and, you know, the next year you're doing training and, and then you go to a board and, you, you know, you either get your Trident or you don't. If you don't, you're a shit bag, but that, that's, it's more perfunctory. So the Trident is like the, the yeah, it's the, combat the patch for SEALs, basically? It's the, the bird, you know, the, uh, okay. the, the uh, warfare insignia. Okay, got it. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so we're down in, down in Antigua and it's pretty much um, worth these old salty dudes. Well, they weren't old, but they were real experienced jumpers and, and a lot of damn neck guys at the time and whatnot. And so essentially you just, okay, here's how you do it. Here's how you put on your rig. All right, you're gonna, you're, and the ramp's gonna open. And we had practiced box man, you know, on the, on like little creepers, you know, the little, yeah. little four wheel things like mechanic uses where you lay down and you, you do the box man and you know, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. put your chest out, you know, and you practice that about 10 times. Then you pack your chute like 20 times, learn how to pack it, you know, your MC1 Bravo or whatever it was back then. Um, and um, so you had to pack your own chutes? Yeah, you learn how to pack your own because it's free fall. I mean, that's the whole point. You know, you, you, you learn, you pack your own chute. Now the reserve's packed by a rigger. Okay. Okay. But um, if you ever have to use your reserve, of course, you have to buy it. Yeah, you're going to die anyway. Beer, um, or a bottle <laughs> or something. Um, yeah, so you do that and it's like, okay, we're going up. And we go to like 12.5 and then it's like the door opens and you just jump out, right? And you're like, and then you have two guys that chase you out. One will kind of go out before you and, one will, and the other guy will come out chasing you. And you want like to get, make sure you guys get off or well, no, it's like, it's like, as and they follow you all the way down and, and you're supposed to like be, you know, in this like position to where you get yeah. stable. You know, you've seen movies and yeah, I have YouTube seen a lot stuff. of them. And then guys come up and they're like, they're telling you what to do. Like they'll say left and, and you got to like, turn left, right, <clears throat> back and, you know, do all this stuff. So that shit works. That's how it works. You just kind of like learn. And then uh, you're the whole time you're looking at your altimeter, you know, cause you got this thing on your back that's going to fire if you don't, pull at the right time but then you wave off and look grab pull um and you know everybody's first jump is something they never forget and mine was like just like i remember just being ass over uh tea kettle and all the way down and got to a point where i was kind of stable there's nobody around and i looked and it was time to pull and i pulled and we landed and the guys landed next to me and they're like yeah man you were just freaking like a, a safe I, I mean the, the guys were like we were standing on our heads man trying to catch you like you know like you know, and you're gone, dude. It was like, it was like, hey, I hope you opens, you know, and that kind of thing. And uh, you land and then you, uh, you you get ready for the next lift. And so then they come in and say, oh, first jump, case of beer, right? So, um, so oh, first good jump, case of beer, first night gun. So we, by the end of it, we had like 50 cases of beer stacked up along the wall there. Um, but it, it was a great time. You know, we are you know, we were, uh, in, in this resort area and and i did like 30 jumps you know there the whole time the whole time yeah and uh you did know you have the, a nice tan did everybody have a nice tan yeah we went out and got conch out of the water and that sounds pretty um, awesome yeah it was, it was a good you time. were getting paid to do that shit getting that paid crazy? that's why that's why i love my job man i got paid to go to these great schools and then yeah. and later on paid to find so people okay so where was uh people. <clears throat> yeah <laughs> so where was, was your legal. uh what what was the what was the, the craziest like real world jump you had to do? Do you remember? Did you get to do one? A tandem jump, but it was uh, it wasn't like like a combat jump. But uh, oh, did you get to do any of the combat ones? No, I didn't actually. No. To be honest, no, no, I'm not gonna lie about it. Um, the only guys who were really jumping a lot in combat was Damnick. 
was SEAL Team Six. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound biased, but there is no one better in the sky than that command, period. Because they just jump their asses off. They jump, they jump on air, um, into the ocean at night. They jump into mountains. They jump, you know, they practice it all the time. And uh, they, they, they fly in formation, you know, before they open, they do halos, halos. Uh, they jump dogs, they jump bundles. I mean, I went through the bundle course and, and, and uh, that's like the, Pen, pen, pentuplet, up the pen, the pen, the pinnacle, pinnacle, pent, um, pen, ultimate, ultimate, pent ultimate, ultimate, yes. There it is. You know that's like keywords. What? Up? Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of those courses where you know you jump in this big round cylinder of five, six, seven hundred pounds of gear and stuff. What? Um, yeah. Well, how did you get? How do you get on that thing? Did you? Is that something you ever tried to do, or you were just? Wasn't well, so so they learned it. Like rather than do the traditional combat equipment jump, hey ho or halo. Yeah. If you if you need special equipment to go down like a mortar or or a, a series of mortars or a bunch of you know comms gear or what all that kind of stuff, yeah. how are you going to divvy that out? So if you tan, you take a tandem rig, you know the big the big square parachute. So normally you jump with another person, and uh, now they, they you know for years they experimented with like like Rangers did it, teams did it. Um, I know I know Delta does it too, but. Um, um, you jump motorcycles, um, jump cruise boxes, they jump all, and they figured out, you know, you could put a bunch of gear in the, in a big cylinder, like those big concrete cil um, you know, cylinders. And uh, then one or two guys could jump all the gear out and the other guys could be, you know, ready to fight as soon as they hit the ground. Right. Oh, shit. So then, you know, you rally around and, and you grab all the, the, you know, the equipment, the team equipment, squad equipment and uh, do your mission. Right. Um, and, but you're a tandem master at that point. So you're jumping people too. Like sometimes you have to jump, ideally you jump a person who's not a jumper, obviously, or yeah. you jump your dog in or whatever. Like, and I know a lot of guys who, you know, they did combat jumps in Afghanistan and, and Iraq. Um, I think the first one was blue squadron, maybe or red squadron. I'm not sure who did that from damn neck, um, a real, and of course the guys who did, uh, Captain Phillips, you know, they, they, the four guys came from another place in the region. They jumped in out of a contract there and then met up with the ship. They jumped in, you know, just like, we'll just parachute in the water. <laughs> and and they, they picked them up and they're like, okay, this is how it's going to go. We're going to call in the silver bullet. And they launched silver bullet from, from the U S and the guys came out and jumped boats and people in, in the middle of the night and linked up with everybody and did that. I mean, it was, if you've never, I mean, it's one of the most amazing things to see that, package leave like a bunch of c-17s yeah and all these boats and dudes come flying out and then they go take down a cruise liner or, or something like that but nice. anyway yeah so it's a I it was had more of that to watch you know, like yeah I'm you, like, navy seals is a good movie like yeah it needs to be pay-per-view no, no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> fucking pay-per-view mm -hmm. ops um no Right, right. So we're not, we're not, I don't want to like crush your viewers, man. I, I know that last time we talked a long time, but what do you want? Uh, what can I do to like, like what's, I could talk about these kind of stories. And they as don't you, mean as you should, there, yeah, I mean, keep going. Shit. Like, you know, so anyway, just, you bring up combat jumps, right? So one yeah. of the guys, he was one of the guys in my unit, Joe Sargent, and he was in ROTC, but he had his little mustard stain. So I don't know what they column for you guys is that the same term like mustard stain is the combat jump it's got the little yellow 
kind of we don't have we don't have a, a, yeah. a little i don't know what they have a toy or tool but yeah. well you guys got but like you get airborne wings when you went to airborne school yeah we got the army airborne okay. wings but then when you do five more jumps the navy air uh navy marine corps wings are the longer ones they look like flight wings uh, but they have a parachute yeah, yeah. in the middle that's after 10 jumps oh so okay five, well so for five more jumps yeah okay so for the army like if you have the, the actual combat jump you'll have that star on the chute right so right. not above it the one on it right so right. i had one guy there uh one of my old uh he was an old station commander in my unit he was there he had one because he was in the 173rd the 173rd airborne out of italy and then uh, i got a 173rd story for you oh okay there we go and then okay. uh one of the guys when i was drill sergeant at benning he had one and him and my senior he wasn't he wasn't my senior drill sergeant he was my just like my senior because we fell under this the 197th infantry brigade at benning so we fell under all the training in our E7. He was this dude. I think his name was Sergeant Mack, this crusty E7 tanker. And every time he saw this dude, he would just fucking sit there and they would just start talking shit to each other. Cause he's like, man, you, you just cause you jumped into Iraq doesn't mean you did anything. Y'all jumped into the fucking airport. We were down there on top of our Bradley's having the whole area secured. You jumped into a secure zone and you're walking around a goddamn combat fucking stain. Like they would just go at each other nonstop. And he would always try to be like, man, we first combat jump into Iraq. And he's like, yeah. And I was on the Bradley sitting there with the whole airfield secure. He didn't do anything. So that was always fun to hear those two talk. And then one of the guys, two of the guys, I think, no, one of them at uh, Joe Sergeant School, one of the Rangers, he had one, but he got it from jumping in Afghanistan. And supposedly, I don't know mm -hmm. who this is. I, I, I don't pretend to know the truth. I just know what I heard that at the time, the one of the regiments or one of the battalions, in ranger world would do these rotations into afghanistan just to jump just so they could get the why not yeah why not <laughs> hey rehearse on the x man if you can rehearse on the x, <laughs> i don't know how true that not, is I'm, dude. I'm just relaying it I, I think i i don't i don't have any problem with guys getting that kind of a deal man it's like you know even if it's like an admin thing yeah because it it it's completely different to jump into a place you don't know and rely, you're relying on your, you know, your guys, your, your scouts or combat controllers or whoever, you know, is, is, is. Well, so you were in the harness shit at Benning. Do you remember like seeing the guys from the glider infantry? Did you ever read about them? Yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, those. Like I that mean, stuff I, made, no, like when I went back and read that one night, I was like, they really got people to do that shit. Like, yeah, those, yeah. we, those we went to the toughest motherfuckers ever. Like, yeah, we're going to put you on a glider and we're going to just drag you and we're just going to drop you in wherever you land, you land. If you're still alive, get out and start wrecking shit. Yeah. Okay. I'll I, do mean, that. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, we went to Normandy and my wife and I, we weren't, we weren't married then, but we did that tour. And, and I remember seeing like, you know, the, the rangers that jumped in the, you know, in the evening before and, and gliders that came in and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like reading about Market Garden, I'm just like, well, yeah, Mark, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so the 173rd. Um, so I had mentioned last time, I think, that I was with this like joint little interagency team that went yeah. into Iraq before, and and kind of operational preparation of the battle space or whatever you want to call it, and that amongst other things. Um, one of them were the guys who found the LZ and scouted the, the drop zone. The drop zone, not the LZ, the DZ for the 173rd that jumped in. Oh, okay. So we, yeah, it was actually a, my partner who was up in uh, Erbil. Mm. He, he did the DZ survey for that. And him and his uh, uh, combat controls, I don't, I don't remember, since I didn't work in Erbil, I worked down in Sulaymaniyah. Um, I don't, 
I don't recall there being, maybe there was an armor, armor unit or whatever that was already on the ground securing. First armor division, very grumpy. I don't know. But don't know at the end of the day, it's like they were the first guys since what? Vietnam? Oh, no, no, I'm not sorry. He, oh, I am sorry. No, he was, he had a first AD patch, but he was part of third infantry division mm -hmm. at the time. And he was in his Bradley, according to him. Because I know third ID went in with a bunch of fucking Bradleys and shit. And yeah, but third ID was in the South. They never made it up to where we were. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Baghdad Airport. That's all uh, I know. Okay, so he's talking about something different then. If they okay. jumped into Baghdad Airport, this is not the guys I'm talking about. If you Wikipedia, who jumped into Northern Iraq, it says the 173rd Airborne Brigade. Mm. Well, because so, did you ever right watch Aviano, right? They're yeah. Aviano. Well, that 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 video is on YouTube. Have you ever seen? Yeah, that? I think I think it's right here, actually. You know, so. There it is. That's yeah. the one. Yep. That's so my one. buddy is on the one. Six April talking. 2003. Guess who was in Iraq? Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah. Well, so my buddy's name. If they show the, if that's the one that shows the chalk, he's on that. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Does. But what I thought was cool is if you look at the first two people to jump, it was the battalion commander and the. Of course. The Sergeant Major. Sorry, I, sorry, Major. Yeah, yeah, I still think yeah. that's actually Follow pretty me, cool. right? Yeah. Yes, I, right. I still think that's actually Shut pretty up. cool because, you know, there's there's always, <laughs> there's enough stories of shitty leadership, you know what I mean? Like, right. but it goes back to what you're saying though, no matter what, like you're still jumping into something that's unknown. You have no idea what the right. fuck you're getting into. And at least number hey, one and number who... two are out the door first. You know what I mean? So that's, that's right. actually, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's cool. I 100% <laughs> agree with you. Um, you know, hey, those guys did it. We got to follow them. Yeah, you know, but um, which is why I love We Were Soldiers, that movie. Yes. Yeah, but the book, absolutely. the book's incredible. Like the movie makes it, it seem like it was a four-day affair, and they got up and got on planes and went home. No, that was the first couple of weeks. They had a whole eight more months in, in country, and they had a right. hell of a lot more shit they went through. Um, but that book's incredible. But no, I was just watching. I was showing Maddie the uh, the clips of the Sergeant Major when he's like, "Morning, Sergeant Major." He's like, "How would you know what kind of goddamn morning it is?" Just, just, <laughs> the outtakes of that movie are hilarious. I think they were filming uh, no, that no, at Benning. Was... I think when I was in drill or when I was in when I was in basic training, they were filming that movie. I think at yeah. Benning, and it was the first time a movie has been filmed at Benning. I think. Everybody. Oh, because of the the the, the background. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting yep. because they show. Now, did you when you were at Air Force School? Did you ever get? Did you get to do the two hundred fifty foot tower where they just dropped? I did. It? See, actually, we didn't get to do it because it was always too windy and shit. We we did that, and uh, actually, we also stole the flag off the two hundred fifty foot. Tower. <laughs> you probably heard about that before, right? No, I didn't. In fact, the, the boss said, "Don't the the army lieutenant colonel, whoever it was, <laughs> don't climb the two hundred fifty foot tower." And we're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and we're like. Well, we gotta climb it, whatever it is, because we didn't know about it until we got well, here. You said, "Don't do it." Climb that thing, and we, yeah, we, we, we I think, yeah, I we never we got to do it down they or whatever. We, yeah, they was... dropped a dummy from the top of yeah. it and showed us, but yeah, no, we, we did all. Do, we got the full, windy. we got full benefit, man. We got all one week of training crammed into three, man, just like like you guys did. So you know what's cool though is uh, when I was in Jordan in uh, 2015 as well. So at JTC Joint Training Compound, so it's us and the Jordanians, and the Jordanians next to that base. They have, when was that? Year? What year? 2015 okay so they have uh like the, it looks like a little basic training site for the jordanians and the mm -hmm. but there's also a little airborne school there and they had the little 250 foot towers it's the only other place i've ever seen 250 foot towers and i still didn't want to go on them like there's something to me about like okay if you're if you go to jump out you're like it, it's it's controlled chaos right it's like yeah. the light's green everyone's gone and out in like a few seconds Right. They drag you up on top of that little tower and you're just dangling there until they decide to release you. Like, that's got to be a pretty oh shit moment. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? And I can't get down until I land. 
Like, I'm just going to dangle yeah. here until they release me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ever thought about it. No, like, like well, you just no, built like, di- like, look, put it this way. You're already built differently to do the shit you did. Like most people aren't constructed that way. So, I mean, I guess I trusted the system. You know, we didn't even think about it. It's kind of like, you know. How you feel about that now? Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> I just saw something today where this guy talked about, well, when it, when yeah, we'll, well. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Drew something or other. He just deleted his account. Like not, he's not going to make Colonel. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah that guy. Uh, <laughs> nope. Nope. Not even good initiative. Bad judgment. <laughs> um. Yeah, so you just know that yeah. there's a portion of those people, though, on the, the 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 shitty side of mill Twitter that are just like, you know, he's got a point. No, I just, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm a history major, right? Undergrad yes, history. Yes, you are. Um, and uh, you go back and you and you study like when you really do history. What I love about history is it's not about what you, what you feel. Yeah, it just it, it, it has nothing to do with that. There it is. It has a, it's there. You, you know, it may like, have been written by the winners, but that's the way it should. That's be. right. But <laughs> even even if it's written written by the winners, eventually, you know, you hear on both sides because you that's right. what historians do, right? We look for that. And um, there's Truman had a point when he said, "I think mandatory military service or mandatory military training um, after World War II, he wanted to make that mandatory, right? Where you uh, okay." where every person after 19, 18 years old did six months of military training, just basic stuff. Like you went to boot camp, right. or whatever, learned the skills, right? And then you were in the inactive reserves to do whatever you want. No one's going to call you up, but, but you were in the inactive reserves for six years. But what his point was, he wanted to create this pool of people that understood not only the skill sets, but the whole point of being a military, right? Yeah. It's like, this is for the nation. This is why we need to have this pool of people who understand what's important. Right. right, and and why it's bigger than us, and and we all need to be able to be at a, at a moment's notice in a crisis and emergency, boom, you know, hey, we need you, come, and they're already trained in the basic stuff, mm-hmm. and you can, you know, get them ready. But it but it does so much other things, you know, you know, it does so much other things for you as a person, right? It, yeah. it teaches you so much more about uh working for a higher cause and discipline and and camarade camaraderie and and just you, know, you go down the list of stuff but um today it's like you know so one of my favorite phone calls i remember uh called 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 a kid got his mom on the phone her mom and i remember her saying oh <clears throat> excuse me oh no we we've done enough in service of this country. We've served over 60 years and my daughter is not going to do that. And I, and I remember saying like, let me, let me back up, man. Like, so we, so you served and who else? Like, Oh, not me, my dad or my brother and my husband, they've all served and we've done enough for this country. I'm like, I didn't know there was a limit on the service requirement. Your daughter's never thought of carrying on that legacy type of thing. Right. And it was just like, some more spinning of the wheels and then she hung up of course and i was just like it's weird how it's gotten to that point now i have a daughter and i like i would never like if she wants to serve great go do it it's not something i'm pushing on her but i would never if a recruiter finally called me i wouldn't be like oh no i've already served don't you know don't (laughs) it's just it's just a mindset that i think we have especially since world war ii everything's kind of and maybe a lot of it could be our own doing like we we've done enough things to, to cause you know maybe turn some people off from service i you know i don't dispute that 
but I also don't think the average American is wanting to do service in terms of that. I, th- I, think, I, think, think, they, I think they think someone else is going to do it. Yeah, and that's that's not that's not a reflection on the on the on society as much as it's a reflection on people that are pushing the narrative, in my opinion. Because every I think every person given the opportunity to choose, whether it's Peace Corps or whatever, you know, whatever is available, some yeah. kind of like something hard, bigger than you service that that you know you can do, is inclined to want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just comical that we're in this, you know, Greek tragedy play or whatever you want to call it, that where the people now who are in power or whatever, pushing the narrative, um, will praise you. Thank you for your service. Right. And I'm like, do you know what, what that, what that means when you thank me for my service? Hmm. It's not thank me for joining the Navy. It's thanking me, thanking me for for 24 years plus my time afterwards, five more years doing whatever stuff, you know, 25, 27, eight, nine, whatever, of putting bigger issues than me in front of myself, right? Like in other words, yeah, I enjoyed it. I was lucky, I was lucky. I mean, you know, I I took it for granted that, you know, being a SEAL is like one, you know, like, oh, okay, you're a Navy SEAL, like whatever, you know? (laughs) Like I used to tell people, I'm not a Navy SEAL, that's what I do for a, a living. Yeah, okay, that's what that's my job, right? right? Um, but then you walk away from it and you realize it's like, yeah, there's like 2,500 Navy SEALs at any time, you know, you know, it's been 10,000 period, 10,500, whatever period that have you know served, whatever. And you kind of like stack that against like major league baseball players or yeah, NFL or whatever, 750 baseball players every year, give or take. yeah, or whatever, that's you know, it's like yeah. it, you're kind of like, um, ish. Why, why did I do that? So, well, I don't know. You know just... no, that's true, though. That is a, it's, it's a very good correlation because there's only, like I said, you have to be wired a certain way to do that anyway. Um, well, you know, I don't know if you have to be but then you have to be... I think you just have to be either really dumb, like I was, not knowing what was coming, <laughs> or just, you know, just like learn to listen to the solution. The solution's there. They give it to you. They tell you, okay, here's what you got to do. Right. And you got to like learn to trust or dig down deep or whatever. And it's not unique just to being in the SEAL teams. It's, it's every element. Everybody yeah. goes through it. You know I mean? Some, you know, the rest, the guys who were in Restrepo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, that's one of my favorite. So I was favorite. That, yeah. That, that yeah. interpreter was, he was one of our interpreters when I was there in, in yeah. 13. I mean, Ripped I, his I ACL watched, up and everything. That was a great dude. I, I, man. I watched that movie and I'm like, so Dude, these one. guys went through six months of more freaking hell than, or the guys in Hellman or the Marines or whatever yeah. in Ramadi or, or, or whatnot. And you're like, um, you come back and, and then people are like, yeah, thanks for your service. And you're like, you know, okay. What does that mean? You know, it's like, you, well, you, I think at this point it's it, to us, I think, I get where you're coming from to them. Yeah, I'm not, they I'm not they just mean it. it as they, they feel they like they're supposed nicely. to say it. There's a lot of people that do mean it genuinely, but most people, no, just, I, I think everyone's trying to be polite. It. So I, you know, it's like, you know, I just feel like, well, it, this is the time to like you know, opine on what I think, but um, actually it is. If people, if people really put something, it doesn't have to be the military service. Yeah. Okay. If they thought about other people, and then and put other people, you know, thought about 
their situation and said, what can I do to help them? Whatever it is, yeah. you know? And it doesn't have to be political. It has to be, it, it could be, it doesn't have to be self-serving, but. No, but it has to now. It has to well, be political. Because what you're now, describing. But... So I remember when President Obama got elected for his first term, that was one of the initiatives they wanted to do was some sort of civil service, right? Right. And that got right. picked apart. It's like, oh, he's trying to have his own civil core or something. When at the end of it, the core of the, the, the point of the message was kind of what you're saying is like people in this country, no matter what, like, and that's my biggest thing is like, not everyone is meant to go to college. Mm -hmm. We've, we've created the college industry where mm -hmm. people are, they feel compelled and that they're supposed to do it when most of them don't belong there anyway. Like you don't need a college degree to be successful in this country. You just need a work ethic and you can still be successful, right? Or do what you're saying, whether it's military service and learning the basics or whether it's some, something civil where you're just, whether it's volunteer maybe or whatever, or it's doing something to help your local community or somewhere else before you move on to what you're going to do into your career. Because everyone's in this big rush to get to, to school and then do what? Right. And that's what's my biggest thing is when I've talked to these kids in college and it's like, okay, what okay you're going to graduate in a few years do you want to have military experience as your you know something to separate you from your peers right you can prove that you know how to be somewhere on time you're responsible for people and property right you uh prove you're drug free you're reliable or do you want to show up to that interview and yeah it was an uber driver and most of these kids are more than well yeah i just guess i'll just be the fucking uber driver you know what i mean like <laughs> You know, it's so funny. He's like, this is going to sound like weird, but uh, so I go to the ABC store where we got to buy our booze because Virginia used to do that in, in Florida. They're not out here in the West, but I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. ABC is a liquor store for those. It's a liquor know. store owned yeah. by the state. Yeah. And guess what? The whole time COVID happened, they were essential people. Of course they are. Of course. And Vices are always why, essential. Why wouldn't they be right? Yep. So I was talking to the guy. So you did have COVID and coronavirus where you're. Oh running. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. shit. And uh, so I went Crazy. to buy my rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. Again, this, this episode of There Will Be Bourbon is not endorsed or sponsored by rabbit hole. Not yet. But. But. But I'm endorsing rabbit hole Derringer <laughs> as my favorite sherry cask. Um, okay. It may also anyway. be the only. Well, no. Yeah. What right. else is sherry cask? Because Angel's Envy is, is port cask. Yeah. This is unique, and I, I'm telling you, you need to get right. a bottle. Um, I was uh, anyway. I almost got back one. to back to my uh, yeah. Back, so okay. I was talking to the guy who works in the store, you know, and I'm like, hey, um, he's like, I saw these signs everywhere. We're out here where they're looking, they're having like work fairs, trying to get people to like, you know, take jobs, and 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 there's all these people that are being paid to not work, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm like, why would you do Amazing. that? I mean it's amazing, right? Like, why would you not want to, well, why do I want to go do that when I'm getting essentially 12 bucks an hour to stay home? And I'm like, fuck yeah, Uncle well, Sugar. Maybe, Uncle maybe because best. you care about like, you know, basic- the wrong things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, it's just so funny. I mean, for, for me, the Navy was was a was a lifeline. It was, it was yeah. someone through, through a- No, it was the same thing for me. Yeah, you know, it was Army. like, it, here's thing. that big- because that round thing they throw out in the water when you're when you're drowning, <laughs> and um, and you grab onto it and and it, it worked and and, it, and I got my ass kicked for the first four years where I realized you you can't speak your mind to your command your platoon commander right you can't tell him because you're older and you know more you think you know more you know he's fucked up <laughs> you, know, you got to do what he says right that's how it works and um, 
but you learn that stuff and, and you realize, wow, okay, there's big things bigger than you. And it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's plenty of opportunity out there for people. And when I went back to school after I retired and I was an old man and everything, and I wanted to develop, you know, use my GI bill and I got a bachelor's degree and I got a master's degree. It was more like I, I needed to complete the circle. Right. And right. in the process, I realized that in spite of the narrative that, that, you know, pick your, pick your source, um, in spite of the narrative, the kids today, the people today that are searching, they're all searching for the same things we did. It doesn't matter of the generation, right? Mm. So um, you can have the sidebar comments or conversations with people and they, they get it. We're, there's, not, we're, there's really not a whole lot of difference between us, but um, at the end of the day, you wanna feel like you're making good choices and you're learning and, and you're, you're, you know, when you give someone the opportunity to you can do something that's bigger than you, yeah. Um, and then you 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 benefit you you uh, see the results of that. You realize it's a good thing, you know. And uh, yeah. it, it it just changes the way you approach the world from from that point out. And I just um, I encourage people to kind of like you know consider doing something outside of you know their and their yeah. wants. Right. And, and that was I mean because that was yeah. the same way for me. Like I I. Yeah. I had no interest because I can totally relate to where they come from. Almost to that mom in a way when she said, oh, you know, because, you know, my grandfather was in Korea. His brother was in World War II. I think his, his uncle was as well. Um, my dad lied about his health to try to get into Vietnam and got found out and couldn't go. Uh, and then me and my brother were just, nah, not for me. I was going to college to play baseball. I, I told you, I was – all I was going to do was be a pro baseball player. And that's, that's it. I used to hang up on recruiters in high school. I very remember I was, I was, I was a jerk. I was, I hung up on them or I would be like, Oh yeah, Eric, hold on. And I put the phone down and just continue doing whatever oh, dumb thing I was like, I was a dick. Right. What, what, what position would you, would you play? I, well, I went to college to pitch oh, uh, in okay. high school. When I wasn't pitching, I played third base and first base. Um, did you, did you pitch in college? Where, did you go? Oh, it's awful. That's why I'm in the army now. Okay. Terrible. I got to college and realized I wasn't very good. Like everybody's good. Like when you're in high school and you get, you get, and you're really good in high school, eventually it's the same thing with every level, right? All these dudes in the majors, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a very, very, very small. Right. Well, you're right. watching those guys in double a, right? Now imagine how good they are and they may suck in double a, but they're right. still way better than everybody who was in college like myself. Right. And then I was, so I just got to college and realized I wasn't very good and I needed something to do. I wasn't going to school. I, I took school for granted. Um, right. and then nine 11 happened and that just kind of woke me up to like, all right, this isn't for you. Here's what's for you. Maybe you should go explore it. And I did. And the army has been the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of my professional life. And then I have gone back to school. I've gotten my bachelor's degree when I tried, you know, and I've gotten the master's I've done all those. I've gotten the education, right? right. Uh, I just was never good enough to do what I ultimately wanted to do, which was to play baseball and get paid for it. Oh, well, right. that's life. Okay. That's Nope. But when I was in Iraq, you know, in 2003, 2004, and I, I got to, and I don't even think it was the service part in the, the army. It was more seeing the people in Iraq. Right. I remember very specifically going outside one of the gates at the, the, at by at the Baghdad airport. And we were buying one of those little like bread pockets that they used to stuff with the fucking meat. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like Awful, talking to yeah. the, yeah. Talking to the vendor Mm -hmm. who was talking to us through his interpreter. And I just remember looking at the guy and for some reason, I don't know why, for some reason I saw my dad 
because I saw a father who was just trying to make money to take care of his family, especially in a post-Saddam world. That's nothing mm. people in America could even fathom, right? And I just remember like, man, people, to me at that time, people everywhere I go and every country I've ever been to, people are people. You may not yeah. agree with them or their lifestyle or their religion and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, at the very core, people are trying to do the very best that they can for themselves and their family. And that's what I've always identified with and tried to, to take with me once I came back and move on is just like you said, do something for others, do something that's bigger than yourself and just do something for your country. man. like, it matters. It, it does matter. And, and, you know, if you can, you know, that it, if I were to look back on the timeline, like uh, whether it was, I, I didn't see it the first time I was in Iraq because, you know, I didn't really pay attention Yeah. at the time I was on a ship pretty much the whole time. Um, and, but after that, you know, it was Bosnia, uh, three or four times. Right. And then it was, um, uh, you know, the, the J sets and you're, 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 you're getting familiar with the Mediterranean and North Africa and the Balkans and, you know, the, all the, all the countries in Europe. Um, we weren't in a war then, but then when we went to war after nine 11, um, whether it was Somalia or Afghanistan or Iraq, or, um, you know, some of these other places, um, you, when you spend the time, when you're there, you, you do make relationships with people yeah. and you do, you realize exactly what you said, you know, they're exactly the same as us. All I care about is what my kids make it a better yeah. life, yeah. security, da, 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 you know, whatever. And, um, and you realize we're, we're all on the same kind of boat and, unless you feel that and experience it, you're, you don't realize it. And we're not all that much. We're, we're, we, we share more commonalities than we do. Differences. Yeah. Our similarities are, are much greater than yeah. our differences. They, they really are. Um, and that's why now I'm, you know, I've worked on, I'm, I'm at the Lobo Institute in uh, Whitefish, Montana as a junior fellow ish. Um, it's, it's not a paid thing, but it's more like I'm working with guys that I used to work with in CIA and special operations that, that we've fun. all, we, we all understand the benefits of hard power, you know, yeah. and what that does for you. But at the end of the day, um, hard and soft have to yeah. kind of find, you know, the, we understand the value of all, all things. And, and now it's like, um, you know, conflict resolution is the, is the issue. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's distill this down to what the issue is, right? And you know, sometimes you, you can figure it out. It's obvious, but you know, if you've got an immovable force like you know extremist Islam or or a political agenda for some, somebody else, it, it becomes it's difficult to yeah. find a solution. But so, you know, the takeaway is for me, anyways, is like, yeah, I mean, I had fun doing all the things I was at my country asked me to do, right? Yeah. But well, so let me ask you that because uh, I, yeah. <clears throat> hard and soft power is a great thing. This is literally just something I talked about with someone the other day we put in. Um, and she's from Mexico, first generation. Um, she spent time, she's finishing her master's in December. So it's going to be a really bright girl. Great that she's joining, you know, the military. Um, but she spent a semester abroad in France and uh, just brought back, and we were just talking experiences and all. And I got into hard and soft power and what that is because they've never she she wasn't a political science or any type of those 
degree. So she doesn't know, she doesn't know the terms, but she gets the concept once you explain it, right? What hard and soft power is. So you bring up soft power because hard power, I don't think we have an issue. Nope. Right? Nope. Nope. Soft power. Where do you feel we are with that? Has our influence and our ability to use soft power effectively dissipated or is it is it something that needs to be kind of maybe refocused on or because i don't know i'm not trying i i would never denigrate the individuals who do those jobs and those who are responsible for that because i don't know what they're going through i don't i have no idea i have no i have no insight to that i know you have some because of some of the experiences you have so that's why i'm asking you but do you feel like we've maybe not necessarily slacked off with our usage of soft power, but have we kind of forgotten how powerful it is? You know, it's, um, I'm, I'm by no means what I, whatever I say is an expert opinion, but, um, soft power in my opinion has to do with if you're engaging a population, another, uh, another country's population, it's, it's, uh, does it resonate? Right. Okay. Is, is it a solution to their, whatever it is, their problem is. Okay. And, you know, having worked the Somalia problem from a couple different angles um, myself, you know, you, you, you know, and sometimes you have to get in bed with people you don't want to sleep with. Right. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to have sex with, you don't, but you have to, right. You know? um, because you need to accomplish your object, objectives. Right. And, and you realize these are the, the nodes of power and, and, or, or influence or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's much more important, you know, um, that that people realize that um, it, it's one of those things that it's, it's by administration they might they might promote it in a different way, but when they're confronted with the reality of it after they take office, it's it's they realize oh oh so that's how it is. That's yeah, it's, it's a lot bigger than it's a lot it's bigger a lot than big, a campaign slogan. So, Exactly. It's a lot more complicated than you realize, right? It's like, um, you know, we're, we're doing this because it's a long game, blah, blah, blah. It's not only them, but it's like, you know, Russia and it's China and it's these other people. But at the end of the day, you want to, you want to also serve the people that need the most help immediately. Right. You want to be that person that, that if, if nothing else makes it a Somali solution. Yeah. You know, all the horsepower is coming from some something right. else. You want it because that's going to make the most difference. They're going to feel like, you know, it. it and you're also helping people, right? So, um, what was your question again? It was how are, are we still effectively using soft power? Okay, or we kind of neglected it. I think I think um, we're not. When you talk to the professionals in any career careers professional, whether it's State Department or USAID or, you know, same thing, but um, yeah, uh, Special Operations uh, Command, um, CIA, they all, they all understand. It, it doesn't, nothing changes. You know, the, the, the solutions are obvious. You know, you have to, like I said, I might've said in the last time we talked, it, it comes down to the bake-off the, 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 you know, whose, co- whose cookies are better, right? You know, <laughs> you know, oh, I like these cookies. I don't know who they made them, but I like them better. And it's like, so your cookies have to be better. Your solution has to be better. You know, it has to be. And if, it, if like in Afghanistan, we learned the hard way, if, if you're not bringing 
security or development or, or, or whatnot to whatever is relevant to that person, they're going to choose whatever, like we would. Yeah. Like, 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 like when a year ago, when my kids found out they, their school system was going to close, close right. down, I'm looking for whatever solution I could find. Yeah. So my kids didn't have to stay, you know, and look at a screen. And uh, I didn't care if I had to like say, Oh yeah, I love Christ or I love Catholic church or, or <laughs> how much does it cost to go to this private school? My kids were not going to stay at home. They were going to go to school. Yeah. Right. So, so however I had to make it work, I was going to make it work. That's that dynamic. It doesn't change whether you have good money or not. You're looking for the same solution. And if you, you know, um, soft power is an overlooked or a underutilized, I think it's underutilized. Compotalized, uh, component. Um, it wasn't in the 50s, 60s, and 70s because we realized that we had to like, you know, if, if you're a story. I think you that was easier it. then though because there was no media and internet like we have today. I think I think there's something to be said about that, you know, because- yeah. um, People had to wake know, up the next day and read the newspaper you know, when you're, to know what was you know, going on. Let, let, let's just, let's, let's, as an example, let's, let's take the vice president. She's been hammered for not going to the border Right. Since being appointed as a border czar. Now, I'm not yeah. a fan, right? Right. But at the same time, I'm willing to say, let's say we didn't have social media. Would anyone? And know? it was six months later. Would yeah. it make any difference if if they learned the lesson on the side? Like, oh shit, we should have probably gone down there and looked at this problem ourselves. Yeah. You know, and seen it for ourselves, and then made our own assumption, and then had somebody like confirm or deny our perception, right? Right. But because of the way things are today, you know, that person doesn't get the opportunity for that kind of grace. You know, right. at, the, at the same point, at the same time, the fact that we all recognize that you can do things immediately. And if you're not prepared to do it, you also kind of incriminate yourself, you know, yeah. you, by not doing that. It's like, that's the logical thing. If you're a manager of uh, of a construction company and suddenly something goes sideways, you're going to go down there and look at it yourself, right? You know, the building collapsed or the foundation, whatever it was, whatever it is, right? And when you, when, when someone cackles about it, you know, it turns into a meme. It turns into this. Yeah. This well, that's our culture. A, We're in a troll culture right now. We're in a troll culture right now. So, you know, what's going to happen in my opinion is that it's going to take this Pearl Harbor event I'm not talking uh, yeah. about a 9-11 yeah. thing. I agree. Gonna, Unfortunately, you know, I agree. Uh, it's going to take something that where people... Well, you thought coronavirus would have been it, right? But it's you, still, you all thought, it turned into was the... It turned into the biggest political wedge we've probably ever had, and it still continues. Right. And, then, and now, all of a sudden, <laughs> every person that... But there was no that, unity. The unity lasted for like two weeks. I don't think it ever was in unity. I mean, it was Well, like, I, I try to look at it from California, and I remember like, man, you know, Governor Newsom's doing a great job these first few weeks. And now it's like... This fucking hypocritical, whatever everyone right. throws because he went and did, he did all this stuff. So it's like people have done so much to kind of, like you said, incriminate themselves, I guess, in a way. But right. if it wasn't so, for social media, you wouldn't even know about it. Like no one would have known any of the stuff that all these governors are getting called out for if it wasn't for social media. But as a baseline, when you, when you do something for yourself, when you promote for your children or yourself to like go and do service that where you're going to put somebody else or some other cause in front of your own wants. Yeah. Right. Something that's bigger than you. Right. You are taught those lessons. You see it firsthand. It's like, Whoa, I, I just parachuted into, you know, the Sahel. 
or West Africa Antigua. or East Africa or wherever. And, and, and I'm seeing, yeah, well, Antigua is different because that's, that's, that's not fair. Um, <laughs> people paid to go there, the casinos. But you, you realize that, wow, this is something I never knew because you're not going to see that, right? And yeah. then you realize to, you want to help that human being in front of you. Whether it's your interpreter in Afghanistan or Iraq, or right. you know some someone who's whatever, and um, that's what's lacking. I think that's it. people. If you don't encourage those values, now it's like the latest thing is like, well, if you fly a flag from your car, or your truck, oh yeah, you're yeah a white you're racist. I'm like, what? <laughs> this, what? That's the type of shit. Dude, that, like, that's I need to show you just... the pictures of me from Iraq. When we took Kirkuk and I had my my Hilux, right? And I got this huge American flag flying from the back, right? I mean, I took the third Iraqi Republican Guard you know, division flag, which is like 20 feet by 10 feet or something like that. <laughs> you know, and these guys ran away and like literally like were changing their clothes in the street. Like there's this trail of like, you know, uniforms <laughs> in the street where they're running away from us. And I'm like, yeah you know it's like yeah. what see yeah, but that's my thing. like and that the only reason that's even it, it those are the things like so we call the internet the, the internet or what is it the, the information superhighway right? right there's times and places when you're on the information superhighway like that and you just need to keep driving that's right don't stop that's and right. look don't, don't, don't even engage i'm not going through Jer- it's not new jersey where i gotta <laughs> stop at that at that that what do they call those things where you pull off in the middle and and they sell you hot dogs and you know all that stuff? Oh, right? the rest stop. Yeah, the rest stops. Like, yeah, yeah. Where they, where the well, no, I mean, but that's the thing with the internet and social media, man. It's like, and you know, it is a good thing and it's a bad thing, but at the same time, just because everybody has a voice doesn't mean you have to listen. I've said this to you guys and some of the other guys. It's like, you know what? The more attention you pay to these people, the more emboldened they get, and it's like they're just they're, for the lack of a better term, they're just dorks. Like if someone can really sit there with a straight face and be like, if you fly an American flag on your truck, you're racist. Like right. just, the, then, there's no point like, in even entertaining or engaging that. Cause it's literally the dumbest thing on face value I've ever heard in my life. Face value. I love it. Yeah. It's just dumb. It's just stupid. It, it has no meaning. And all it seeks is they're, they're literally trolling anyone who tries to engage with them. That's all it is. And plenty of people uh, continue to fall for it. Plenty of people in our circle sit there and get all offended and try and get like, you're not a, on top of that, you're not going to change their mind. You're not. There's not, there's no one, no one's mind has ever been changed through an argument on social media. Never once. Poor I don't have empirical evidence to back this up, but I'm going to go out and claim it anyway. Poor Poor doctor. He's whispering. I have no idea what he's saying, but he's I'm not saying, changing my mind. Bill, no, you didn't put enough in there. No, 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 no. This is it's a decent amount for right now. This is this is 125 proof, my friend. Who cares? Look, I don't even know how what that often is. You get to, how often do you get to talk to me? Well, I just talked to you last week. Okay. So, and probably, yeah. you know, Never talk every, every day on oh. the internet. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, to that point, like I, I, um, um, I love this guy. Um, what is it? Tom McDonald. Tom McDonald. Who's yeah. that? The rapper. Is it? No, I never heard of her. Yeah. yeah. No, not Tom. Her. Yeah. Are you making no fun idea. Of me? Who is this? 
Are you about um, to drop some bar? Are you about to rap? I'm, I'm not going to rap, but, but my kids, you know, I, I take them to, they're going to summer camp and, and uh, oh, okay. we, um, we, the, they want to always play music. Right. So, oh, um, so they started playing this Tom McDonald game. Yeah. Guy. Make, make sure. Yeah. But it's like, um, he, he has a, a good social message, right. Uh, about being fake woke or, or oh, okay. I think I, I think I have heard of this individual now that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And if you dissect the, the lyrics, it's um, one of the one of the um, things he says is, if you're embarrassed to be an American, it's in it's in the line of you know you're flying a flag from the back of your truck. Right? Yeah, someone's going to make a comment about you flying a flag or whatever. They're going to call you a Confederate or oh, in place of the Confederate flag. Which trust me, here in Virginia, yeah, I see it. Right. I see guys, yeah. you know, who've flown the the the, the Confederate battle flag. Yeah, I mean, if, the, if you, you want know. to fly the flag at number two, I, I don't get yeah. it. Go and for and it. whatever, you know, <laughs> it's like okay, you know. And and to be honest with you, I'm even, even even being a West Coast guy, I was in, enamored by the whole idea of the Confederacy, you know, the whole independence thing. And then you know, you, you learn through history like the, the actual details and it kind of makes you like update. That's the yeah. current you know, buzzword. Update your thinking about um, certain things. And um, and you realize, um, you know, okay, it's about state rights. Blah, blah. It's complicated. It's not, it's not racism. It's not all about slavery. It's, it truly was a complicated issue about, back yeah. then. But he says this thing, this, this line, if you're embarrassed to be an American, well, I'm embarrassed for you, right? And in other words, if you want to kneel because you're embarrassed that I'm embarrassed, you know, for you. I'm like, he makes it, he's making this great point. Like you should never be embarrassed. It's because our, our, we're all trying to like make our country better. Right. That makes sense. It you does. Know? Well, it comes down to that other, what's that meme where it's like, you know, some people are, they can't believe you think something's funny. And it's like, yeah, I can't believe you're so mad at the fact that I enjoy my life and I'm happy and <laughs> I can find humor right. in things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but that also comes back to where I still, and I think this is something I talked about on the very first show I ever did. It was with Ron, Ron Moeller. Um, oh, Ron. Yeah, He's running for office, right? It's about fucking time. We've twisted his arm enough. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, but social media, you know, it's real, but it ain't real. That's like, why I say Twitter's not a reflection it, of my neighborhood, it's not a reflection of my city. It's not a reflection of the city I work in. Like if, if Twitter was like that, or if the real world was like Twitter, then we would have burned ourselves down a long time ago. Right. You know, like uh, I, <laughs> my, my favorite saying is Twitter, I mean, social media isn't. Yeah, it's not. It's not social. Now, unfortunately we're still like, media, there's, there's right? too many people who are being like forced to, you know, live their real lives through their apologies and things based on shit they've said, you know, right. some of it, you know, okay, we're not going to get into what people are saying, but the fact that people will dig up stuff from right. a celebrity or whatever, whoever it is, whether, you know, things they said when they were 14, 13 years old and like, Oh my God. Canceled. Right. You're canceled, Drew. I mean, I was, I, was, I, was so, I was so fortunate that um, as I, Cancel. as I, as I, Cancel culture's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. It really as is. I, as I progressed through the 
the, the world I was living in, which, you know, I wish I could talk more about it, but it was, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, we were at the leading edge of a lot of things and it was like, yeah. hey, stay off the internet, don't have yeah. any signature, don't, don't do this and that. And um, it wasn't until I went back to school where I took a digital you know, class of digital history where they're like, hey, make a, his make a Twitter account and do this and that. And, you know, I was like, play around with it and see what you feel. And then, uh, then I learned about the cesspool of Twitter um, <laughs> and everything else. But, but then you kind of like, you realize, fortunately, like I don't have a digital, you know, other than what I've created myself, I, I don't have a digital signature, but yeah. Everybody else, the other generations, they grew up with it. They grew yep. up in that environment. So right. they don't even realize that everything they watch, everything they do, everything they, yeah. they, they like right. or don't like, it's, it's forever. That's, that that yep. becomes their, who they are. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, one of the last people that's going to hand off the baton to say, okay, you know, hey, here's, here's an option. Hope, hopefully you'll consider it, you know. Um, you know, ask the, ask the hard questions, you know, the, um, and that's great about Tom McDonald. He's, he's, um, this, uh, rep Canadian rapper guy who, who, uh, no, who's asking, it. yeah, well, yeah, he's yeah. asking no, the hard, no, yeah, I know, I know. I work, I, and the only reason I'm promoting he's him is, no, I'm he's not, I, I worked the Canadians in Kandahar <clears throat> in 2009, 2010. And those are some of the best guys I ever, when I went out on patrols with them, you know, we got in ticks, you know, um, and they're just, they're Groups in contact. For them. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and it just, they're just great guys. Right. They're, they're, they're like, oh, people um, are great. I just like, they're like Americans with yeah. that speaks different than us. Yeah. Yeah. Different, lower. different, different twang yeah. with worse weather. Um, and so anyway, <laughs> anyway, well, there yeah. Uh, ask, me, ask me, what, what do you want to ask me? What, what kind of like That's sealed it. book story stuff do you no, want? To know? It's too I mean, late. We're done. You're like, oh, okay. We're done. Right. You had your chance to write your book. And the, uh, so I are you going to write a book? book? You going to do that? Nope. If I write a book, it'll be a kid's book. Kid's book? It's going to be called Dave's Body. Dave's Body. Dave's Body. Why? And it's, it's because it's going to be like Dave is this guy and he's like the, the, it's like the, the, the world, right? And so you have a body, if you have um, people that work up in the, in like above the neck, like in the mm -hmm. eyes and the brain, they have, they have security clearances because, mm -hmm. but the guys that, you know, work down in the feet, whatever, they're like everyday average people, right? Or anywhere else in the body, they, they do their job. I don't know and, if this is a children's book. This no, it'll like be a children's book. It'll, te it'll <laughs> teach them about, um, you know, the importance of uh, uh, of a system that that works together because it's got to say it's got to keep this person alive, right? So, like communism? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. I'm just playing yeah. devil's advocate it'll, here. It's it'll okay. be more like uh, <laughs> no one's more important because you're working the eyes of the brain than the guys who you know. That is communism. Launch. Uh, that is exactly know. what that is. You just described. No, no one's important. Not. You're all the same. Everyone means the exact same. You just described communism. Your book is no. the new Karl Marx. No. No. <laughs> Drew Marx. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. No. No, you should. You should write don't, that. Don't end on that. But, um, no, we won't. So you should write that. I mean, what's stopping you? What do you, what do, you do now that you're 
your, your time's up. You got all your education. You're, you're a, a fellow in Montana, which sounds really cool. I'd love to do some shit like that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Check them out. Loboinstitute.org. Oh, um, cool. Right now, my, my, my buddies, friends of mine, the co uh, Eric Ullerbach and uh, Mick Mulvaney are in Rwanda working with uh, their um, uh, experts on child soldiering, recovering child soldiers. People, you know, they're, they're working on rehabilitating Jesus. child yeah, soldiers. That's gotta be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So that's, that's and they work for the Middle East Institute, the organization, uh, the org does, and it's um, to support solutions uh, down there, but they're, they're in Rwanda right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's, it's like, you know, Hey, I know what, I know what works kinetically, but I, I also know what, if you don't use kinetics, right. You, you can create a lot of, a whole lot of bad things. Soft and it might look good on, on kill soft power. on like kill TV or, or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, every time someone suppresses somebody else, you're creating an insurgent. And if our own government suppresses us through the Second Amendment or whatever, trust me, brother, you're creating an insurgent. And you're not only creating a surgeon, I learned the hard way in Iraq when we when when we ignored when we had the debathification process, like, hey, we're gonna like ignore the the Bathist party, like when, they, party. like when they took the entire so, Iraqi army and said, hey, we don't need you. Yeah, anymore. hey, fuck and, you guys, we yeah. don't need you. Right? And <laughs> well, all, that, oh my god, to this right. day, I still share that story. Yeah, and it and makes so, sense to no one I tell it to. Right, it, 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 it makes sense <laughs> to anybody who's been there, and you're like, oh, so we're gonna take the like the ruling class, the teachers, the professors, the army, the leaders, all those, all those people who were all in this minority party, the Bathist party, and say, we don't need you. And they're gonna be like, what? Yep. Okay. Can't so, imagine how Al Qaeda in Iraq formed shortly after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No, I, yeah. Or no correlation, I'm sure. Or um, or here's another patch, a morale pass. You might, you might. Uh, <laughs> for, for, for a while we wear this because it was a meme from this the, the, the so the show. patch for those not watching on youtube right spells out isis before isis happened we were we remember you know uh the show for uh whatever it was um you know what i'm talking about um, yeah i got you yeah and um and you realize that okay we, we, we didn't learn a lesson, but anyway, um, you, you, you can't do that. You have to listen, listen to other people and soft power, soft power, bro. Soft uh, at the end power. of the day, it's, it's all about, um, you know, the fifth, fifth column and soft power. Fifth column is the media. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, you're right about right. that. All right. So that's Drew Mullins. That's part two. That's round two. That's glass. Mm -hmm. Number two, actually it was probably four or five but uh that's it right all right, right. this is it right. this will be up tomorrow so if you're watching please like subscribe share write reviews follow drew on twitter at real blue falcon you can follow or at real blue falcon and you can follow me if you'd like eric i'd like i'd like twbb we do follow each other yes good man um but that's drew mullins and uh you have anything for the kids you want to Hey, just um, um if you got questions i'm i'm well, i believe in this country i love my country and uh Done you know, a hell of a lot what, the, what the media is, is uh, portrayed we're we're more alike than we're 
dissimilar. So. That is absolutely correct. Um, yeah. God bless America and no place else. Just kidding. That's right. God bless America and all the places. America. Right. So, but what was that? What was that? Head of State, that Chris Rock movie? I remember we saw it just before we went into Iraq for the invasion. It was uh, God bless America and no place else. That was the campaign slogan. It was great. Uh, but, but bless the rest of the world too. All right, Drew, let's get the hell out of here. I'm going to go pour some more stuff and uh, play some, uh, play some baseball on this TV or watch some baseball. Can't even speak at this point, but anyway, good time. All right, brother airborne death from above. That's right. <laughs>